Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, many of you do know me, but one of the wonderful, wonderful things about our church is we have new people visiting and worshiping with us every week. And so um, let me take a, a moment to introduce myself. First and most importantly is who I'm not. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Sarah. That statement should not be a surprise to any of you. Um, in the, uh, the year that Pastor Sarah has been with her, with us here, speakers like to contrast themselves with her by pointing out the difference in shoes. If you have to look at my shoes to realize I'm not Pastor Sarah, you really must be a first-time visitor. In which case, welcome. We're very glad to have you here with us. Uh, we know that you do have a choice about where you choose to, to worship, and we're, we're glad that you're here with us today. So if I'm not Pastor Sarah, who am I? Uh, my name is Andy Wright. Uh, I've been a member here at Crozet for several years, along with my wife, Andrea, who's in the choir. Um, our children, Megan and Ian. Ian is here, honoring Father's Day. Thank you, son. Um, I serve on the worship committee. I sing in the choir from time to time. I serve as a reader from time to time. I run the soundboard from time to time. Uh, I am a preacher's kid. My dad served several churches in England and America. Uh, some of you may remember him preaching here uh, when my parents were over here visiting us. Uh, and I had the privilege of preaching my very first sermon right here exactly one year ago. So let me ask you all a question. Who here is busy? Don't be shy. I see hands. Me too. Feels like there aren't enough hours in a day to get everything done on the list, right? It's said that moving house is one of the most stressful things that you, uh, that you can do in life. Now that Andrea and I are almost empty nesters, we just sold our house and we're in the process of downsizing to a townhouse in Old Trail. Because the townhouse isn't quite ready yet, we get to move not once, but twice. We just finished move number one last month, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get to do move number two in August. And even when moving is by choice and for the best reasons, it's still stressful. So when Pastor Sarah asked me a few weeks ago if I would preach the sermon today while she's away at annual conference, my initial reaction was, yeah, you know, it's not really the best time for me. Everything that I had going on outside of church, I just didn't feel like I would have enough time to come up with a good topic and prepare a sermon. Then Pastor Sarah gave me a little nudge. I've already got a sermon topic for you. Okay. She said, I'm preaching a three-part series based on John Wesley's sermon on the use of money. It's usually known as gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Pastor Sarah said she'd be preaching the first part, gain all you can, that was last week, and the third part, give all you can, which will be next week. But she'd be away today and needed somebody to take the save all you can part. That's what she was asking me to do. And she had me there. As I said, a preacher's kid, uh, the son of an English Methodist minister, so I grew up in Methodist chapels, Methodist churches, singing Wesleyan hymns, listening to sermons based on John Wesley's message. 
my dad exemplified John Wesley's message of earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And he passed that on to me. And on top of all of that, Andrea and I have been on a bit of a financial roller coaster the past few years and the last year in particular. And so when Pastor Sarah told me the sermon topic for today and asked me if I'd be willing to do it, I had to say yes. So here we are again, exactly one year after I stood here and subjected you to my first sermon, I'm back. Sharing another Father's Day with you all, it's getting to be a bit of a habit. So why would I get so excited about the thought of preaching a sermon about saving money? And what are we doing talking about money in June anyway? We're Methodists. We don't talk about money in the summer. We wait until the September when it's the stewardship campaign, or maybe the end of the year when we're trying to close a gap in the budget. Now, that may be true in some places, but as Pastor Sarah said last Sunday, money is something that's talked about a lot in the Bible. In fact, I think if you look in the Bible, Jesus talks as much or more about money than almost anything else. God knows that money tends to dominate so much of our lives, how we earn it, how much we have, what we spend it on, how much we save, how much we give away, who we give it to. God loves us and for our own sake wants us to do the right thing with our finances. So money is something that as Christians we should not be afraid to talk about. John Wesley certainly wasn't shy about talking about money. Last Sunday, Pastor Sarah encouraged us to do our best in our work, not slacking off or phoning it in, but celebrating and honoring the gifts and talents that God has given us by giving our all, all the time. I don't know about you, last Sunday seemed like a, a great pregame speech in the locker room before the big game. I found her words staying with me all through the week, um, encouraging me to focus a little bit more, push a little harder, do that little bit extra. And if we continue to live this way, by this type of honest, hard work, we can provide for our needs and the needs of those around us. This idea of working as we are able to provide for our own needs is so fundamental that in the first scripture reading this morning, we heard the Apostle Paul emphasize it in his final message to the church at Ephesus. You yourselves know that I have worked with my own hands to provide for myself and my companions. So this then is the first part of John Wesley's sermon. Work as hard as much as you are able to gain all you can, to earn all you can. But what do we do with it once we've earned it? Who's familiar with the saying, money is the root of all evil? Anyone? Yeah? It's in the book of 1 Timothy, right? Yeah, well, kind of. Um, that quote isn't completely accurate, is it? It's not the whole quote. The full passage is, the love of money is the root of all evil or the root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is not evil, just like money isn't happy or sad or hungry or tired. It's just money. What we choose to do with the money, that's a different story. And this was the point of the second part of John Wesley's sermon. After we've worked hard and honorably to gain all we can and taken care of the basic needs of ourselves and our families, then we should now save all we can. And to save money, we have to not spend it. Sounds simple, right? Earning money in the first part, that's the hard part. But shouldn't it be easier after we've earned it to hang on to it and not spend it? It's not that easy. And it seems these days we're constantly encouraged 
to spend our money and not save it. It's such a reality of modern life that there are names for it. We need to keep up with the Joneses. We can get out of a bad move, mood with some retail therapy, right? You should shop till you drop. And my current favorite, because I literally heard it on the TV this week, the more you spend, the more you save. <laughs> it's a great sales pitch. Uh, but you only have to take a second to think about it to realize the more you spend, the less you have. Spending money is also not bad, but what Wesley encouraged people to focus on was what they were spending money on. Spend your money thoughtfully, deliberately, with purpose, even prayerfully. Don't just let it go. Don't throw it away. And remember who it was that John Wesley was preaching this message to. His most effective and most passionate preaching was done outside, in fields, village greens, and it was to down-to-earth people in the places where they lived and worked. As he wrote at the time, this, preaching this way was very much against his nature. He was a, a teacher at Oxford University. He was a fellow at Lincoln College. But here he was out in the fields, outdoors, preaching to what in England I grew up learning, hearing as the common man. And at first he was out of his comfort zone, but he was intent on speaking the truth, of spreading the good news. And if his message of earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, resonated with people who barely made enough to live on, whose lives were very different from most of us living here today in Crozet, how much more should that message resonate with us? Save all you can. As we heard in the parable of the talents, we should, make, uh, we should work to make our savings grow. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. Enter into the, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. One of the things about this parable, it's, sometimes hard for us to fully understand is that Jesus is talking about money. It's not ability. We hear the word talent these days and we tend to think of skill or ability, right? But to the people listening to Jesus, they knew what a talent was. It was a significant amount of money. These days, it's hard to know exactly how much. There are various interpretations of what it is, but a couple of them are, it's the equivalent to a person's weight in gold or it's the amount that an average labor would earn in 20 years, working six days a week. So you convert all that into modern day money, and we're talking about a talent being worth somewhere between $700,000 and a million and a half dollars. So when in the parable, when Jesus said, the master gave his slave five talents, we're talking about millions of dollars. It's a significant responsibility. Save all you can. And as Christians, shouldn't we then put our savings to use to help others? This is the question that John Wesley asked the workers and the miners and the villagers as he preached out in the open. There's a challenge we'll sometimes put to people who are good at telling others what to do or how to live. People who talk a good game, right? It's 
put your money where your mouth is. Well, John Wesley definitely put his money where his mouth was. He lived the message he was preaching. When he died, he was basically penniless. Not because he was a poor preacher and hadn't earned much in his lifetime. No, he was so careful about spending only the bare minimum on his own needs that over the course of his life, he gave away around 30,000 pounds to those in need. Now again, like a talent, how much is 30,000 pounds? Well, wonders of the internet. You can convert 30,000 pounds in the late 1700s into modern-day money. I was shocked. It's $5 million. John Wesley didn't ask anyone to do what he wasn't willing to do himself. Like a lot of good messages, this idea of earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can is rooted in what we used to call old-fashioned common sense. Right? It's the way our parents and our grandparents used to live. In some ways, it's considered a little out of fashion these days. But there is peace to be found in living this way. There's even a modern revival of sorts. And churches are encouraging and helping people to return to this way of financial living. There are biblically-based programs you may be familiar with that encourage people to manage their money. One of the well-known programs is Financial Peace by a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. Uh, Mr. Ramsey has a nationally syndicated radio show, he has books, he holds seminars. He helps people who are struggling with financial issues to live their financial lives differently, not the way that most Americans live today. To live within our means, to save up and pay cash for things like cars and vacations rather than taking out loans. To budget realistically and look at where we spend our money so we can prioritize cut our spending aggressively to get out of debt and stay out of debt. The fact that Dave Ramsey calls his program Financial Peace is deliberate. It's a great name because when we live our financial lives this way, we can find peace. Churches offer classes in how to achieve financial peace using the materials from Dave Ramsey's program. In fact, our church here offered a financial peace program a a few years ago. Now, I'm not turning this into a commercial for Dave Ramsey. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about it, there's plenty of information online. Dave Ramsey is not shy, and he's a very good promoter of his own uh, material and his own program. But the truth is, his message is a very well-delivered, modern-day version of what we're talking about today. His message is one that John Wesley would definitely recognize. Gain all you can. Work hard. Do the right things. Show up. Save all you can. Think about what you spend your money on. Don't throw it away. And then give all you can. Be generous, especially to those in need, those less fortunate than you. Show the world something different. Live differently. Think differently about your money. It can be powerful and it can be life-changing. And I know this firsthand. I mentioned at the beginning that Andrea and I have been on a bit of a financial roller coaster the last few years. I don't want to make this a sermon about us, but I do want to share very briefly that we have found financial peace in the last year. I said at the start of my message that my dad lived out Wesley's message of earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, and raised me to do the same. Andrew's parents were very similar. Um, They grew up in England in the aftermath of World War II, when living within your means and saving was an absolute necessity. So Andrea and I were raised that way, and we followed the path when we were married. 
we were fortunate enough to both be working. We were uh, able to put some money aside. We bought our first house, and we started a family. But things changed for us 10 years ago when we got caught up in the financial crash. I had just started a new business. I'd poured four years of time and money into getting the business planned and set up, had worked through the ups and downs of the startup phase, and we just signed an investment agreement for the money that we needed to construct a manufacturing facility and start production. We received the first payment from the investors, we purchased the site for the facility, we finished the construction plans, we applied for the permits, and the money dried up. Turns out our, invested, our investors had lost their assets in the financial crash. They were unable to provide us with the money they promised us. No more money came in. Our new business folded, and I'd spent four years working and had absolutely nothing to show for it, except a lot of debt. It was a difficult time for us, personally, emotionally, and financially. And it wasn't something we talked about to any of our friends. We wanted things to seem normal. We tried to keep calm and carry on. Keep a stiff upper lip. Two great British expressions, right? But the, the truth is there were many very dark days during that time. We were fortunate that our parents were able to help us out. That gave me time to regroup and find work Without their generosity, I'm not sure that we would have been able to stabilize and stop the bleeding. But we did. Andrea went back to work full time. I was able to pick up different jobs for people I knew. And we were eventually able to stop digging the hole any deeper. But by that time, the hole was already very deep. It seemed impossible to get out. I was thinking, I just have to accept that this was the way it would be for the foreseeable future. But a couple of years ago, Andrea remembered that the church had offered a financial peace class. We weren't able to attend it, but she remembered that uh, people were saying positive things about it. So she brought, bought and read the book, Financial Peace, and then read another of Dave Ramsey's books, and listened to some of his podcasts, and she said, I should read the books. And I did. And we heard the message that there is a different way to live and that we don't have to stay in debt. And that message came to us at the right time. It was what we needed to hear. We were inspired and motivated by the stories and testimonies of people in situations just like ours, and in truth, people in situations that were a lot worse, who had worked hard, budgeted, stuck to a plan, saved hard, and had dug their way out of debt. We committed to give it a try, so we did. And for us, the experience has been humbling and miraculous. Changing how we live has been hard, not as hard as being in debt. Changing what we do with our money has been stressful at times, not as stressful as feeling that we were not on the right path. And getting back on that path has brought us real peace. It is possible, and it is life-changing. So does Wesley's sermon on the use of money have any relevance for us 250 years later and 3,000 miles away from England's green and pleasant land? You bet. What would John Wesley say to us if he were here? I think he'd recognize us. 
Now, you might struggle to understand the technology and the electronic gadgets that seem to occupy so much of our attention, but I think you'd understand us. I think you'd understand the realities we face on a daily basis to support ourselves, to provide for our families, to teach and protect our children, to support the church, to be involved in our communities, to help those in need. And I think he'd tell us exactly the same thing he told the miners outside the coal mines and the villagers in the fields and the townspeople in the chapels and the churches. He'd tell us that God cares about us, that no matter our circumstance, no matter what we've done or the situation we find ourselves in, whether it's through choices we've made or just life sneaking up on us over time and finding ourselves in a place we never intended to be, no matter how we got there, God is willing and ready and able to help us. And that help can come in different ways. It's Father's Day, so I think I should tell one of, one of my dad's stories. He liked to use stories in his sermons. If you, uh, if you remember my dad preaching here, he loved to tell a good story. So I'll try to do this one justice. There was once a man in England, a devout Christian man, strong faith and abiding trust in God. He lived in a village in an old stone house by a small stream, ran through a green valley, England's green and pleasant land. And one day, a series of storms came in over the hills it started to, the rain, to rain, and it kept raining, and raining, and raining. The little stream next to his house got bigger, it flowed faster and faster, came out of the banks, and it started lapping up against his front door. And the man began to pray, Lord, I am your trusting servant. I have faith you will keep me safe. Please save me. And just then a fire truck came along the road. And a fireman called out and said, Brother, these rains are not letting up anytime soon. Flood is only going to get worse. You better climb in here. We'll take you to higher ground. But the man said, No, I am a man of faith. My God will save me. And so the fire truck drove away. The rain kept coming, and the flood waters kept rising, and they came into the man's house. And soon he had to go upstairs because it was getting too deep to stay downstairs. And the man continued to pray, Lord, I am your trusting servant. I have faith you will keep me safe. Please save me. And just then a rowboat came by his house. And two men called out to him, come out of your window. Get in the boat. We'll take you to safety. But the man again said, no, I am a man of faith. My God will save me. And so the boat went on its way. Well, the rain kept coming and the flood water kept rising. And soon the man had to go up into his attic and climb out on the roof because the water was so high. And he prayed again, Lord, I am your trusting servant. I have faith you will keep me safe. Please save me. And just then a search and rescue helicopter came over the hill and hovered over his house. And it lowered a basket down to him on a wire. And the rescue crew shouted out for the man to get in the basket. And they take him to safety. Once again, the man said, no, I am a man of faith. My God will save me. So the rescue helicopter flew off. The water continued to rise. And the man had nowhere higher to go. The water covered his house, and he drowned. And as a man of faith, he went up to heaven. And he's standing there outside the pearly gates, still dripping. And he asks to have a word with God. And so God comes to him, and the man says, Look, God, you know, I don't want to be difficult, but I'm really not very happy to be here. I tried to live a good Christian life. I tried to follow your word. And yet in my hour of need, when I called out to you to save me, you didn't hear my cry. You abandoned me, and I drowned. And God said, 
My child, I did not abandon you. I heard your prayer, and I kept my word. I sent you a fire truck, and then a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want me to do? God's help comes in many forms. If we find ourselves in deep water financially, the fire truck that God sends might be in the form of a book, or a radio show, or a podcast, laying out a plan to help us get back on track. The boat that God sends may be in the form of a class we can attend with other people just like us, where we can work through the reality of our situations and know we are not alone and that there is a way out. The helicopter that God sends may be the conversation we have with a friend, where they share what they've been going through and offer their hand to help us in a time of need. And if we find ourselves in the fortunate position to already be safely on safe financial high ground, Perhaps God is calling us to be the one driving the fire truck, to be rowing the boat, to be flying the helicopter, to be God's hands and feet in the world. Last week, we heard we should work hard to gain all we can, honestly, respectfully, and honorably. Now, with prayer and awareness and thoughtfulness about how and where we spend our money, we should save all we can. And that leads us to next week and the opportunity we have to be truly blessed, not by stockpiling riches here on earth, but by giving all we can and storing up treasures in heaven. Come back next Sunday. I think you'll be glad you did. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.